Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplug Roundtable email edition for April 24th, 2008 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined as always by our team of Orlando experts, Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. And of course, not here with us, but always here in spirit, our producer, Regina Henricks. And we're going to play a lot of voicemails today because we haven't done voicemails for a couple of weeks. We do have a couple of emails we're going to read, but I'm trying to clear out the queue on uh, on voicemails. We're going to get started right off um, with uh, Jack, who is nine years old and has some questions for us about the sci-fi dining. So here's Jack. Hi, podcast team. Jack and I'm nine years old. I just want to know if any of you had been to the Sci-Fi Dining Theater and if you could give me a dining review. And um, we listen to the podcast as soon as it comes out. And Pete, um, you gave the contemporary another try, so why don't you give the Sci-Fi Dinner, Sci-Fi Dining Theater one? Bye. Well, Jack, that is a fair enough uh, a fair enough question. I did give the. You're right, I did give the contemporary a second shot, and I was pleasantly surprised. So um, I will certainly do the I, – I, I'll, I'll promise you within the next seven years. <laughs> before you're out of high school. Before you're out of high school. I will, uh, I will go back to the Sci-Fi Nine and let you know my thoughts. I, I definitely try and stay away from the uh, restaurant reviews because that is certainly Kevin's purview. But uh, I'm sure we can get Kevin to go. Do Sci-Fi Dining. We'll give it a shot. Give it a shot. See what we think. You got out but, of that uh, one easy. No, I, I said I'm going to go. Oh, I thought you were passing it to Kevin. No, I'm not going to do a review. I'll tell oh. him what I think. I'll let Kevin do the review. Oh, okay. So, follow along, Bob. Wake up. Sorry. I think he's not feeling well. Bob, no, I mean. He's only coughing. He's only coughing when we're on mic, though. <laughs> as soon as the mic's off, he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's got consumption. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think the last person to have that was Scarlett O'Hara. <laughs> Let's go, Camille. <laughs> Catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's funnier. What he said or you saying. What's that mean? <laughs> Look it up, Bob. Wikipedia. Um, all right. While we're on the uh, while we're on a, a, a roll here with uh, younger listeners, we have. Uh, 13-year-old Gibson, who has called in a review of a book he recently read, The Art of Walt Disney, and he called in to share his review with us. So here's Gibson. Hey, Pete, John, Kevin, Corey, Julian, Bob. Uh, this is Gibson. A couple of years ago, my parents bought me the book, The Art of Walt Disney, Revised and Expanded Edition by Christopher Finch. When I got it, I never really read it, but looked at the pictures. About a week ago, I started reading it and thought, Hey, why not write a review on it for the Disunplugged? This book is really great for people of all ages. It has lots of pictures for the kids and is really well-written text for the adults. One thing I do have to say about it is that only being 13 years old, there was some pretty difficult vocabulary. But it's still fun to read. It has 504 pages and looks pretty hard to tackle. If you think about it, though, although it's really long, many of the pages are pictures. The images in this book are spectacular. They have screenshots from movies, photos of the park, and pictures of Walt when he was young, old, receiving awards, and anything else you can imagine. They are full of vibrant colors and make this book very attractive to young readers and older readers alike. 
At some points, I found this book seemed to drag on. Maybe because I was tired, but mostly because I hadn't seen or had not seen recently the movie or short that was being discussed. One thing that helped was that Mr. Finch wrote a short synopsis of the movie before he gave the review. I know that on one of your email shows, you talked about Disney facts. This is the place to get them. This guy talked to Michael Eisner, Roy E. Disney, and just about anyone else imaginable. One thing that really stood out to me was that the amount of quotes that he was able to put into his book. They had quotes from people who were in the animations department from the beginning, more recent additions to the Walt Disney Company, and from Walt himself. The pros of this book far outweigh the cons, and I think this would be a great book to get for anyone who loves Disney. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for that. That was, a, uh, that was actually a very nice review. Very well um, spoken. Incredibly. I'm, I'm, you know, the, way you, the way you talk, Gibson, really, I'm finding it hard to believe there was vocabulary in there you might have had... Uh, Difficult with trouble them. with yeah. you, really. Gibson's uh, written to us before. Gibson drew a really great it, um, picture for us. Yes, he did. He did. And Gibson, you took the time to uh, do a review for us, and uh, we appreciate that. So go ahead and pick a number. <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty cool. Well, I haven't. I wasn't here last week. I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, there said, have been no pick a numbers in a while. I haven't given a pick a number. Well, that's because John was like threatening me with my <laughs> life if I gave anything else away. <laughs> Um, trying to heal, <laughs> trying to, <laughs> and just we're as he was, just as just as John John was starting to feel better about the checking account, I went to Disneyland. <laughs> we're tired of Raymond Noodles at our house, and spent eleven spent eleven nights at the Grand. <laughs> so, thank you very much for that, Gibson. We appreciate it. Uh, who has an email they'd like to read? I will. I have someone who's not happy with me. Uh oh. We should explain though where this email came from. I'm not sure this is a listener. I might this this might be someone who um only reads my restaurant reviews on the Diz boards and this came into the menus account. It's probably the entertainer from Ohana's. <laughs> <laughs> I kill you we or call one, kiss on the loops. Or one of the Robert Palmer girls from Wolfgang Pucks. This is actually from Mary Ellen, and Mary Ellen states, "You uh, wow, based on Kevin Close's reviews, there appear to be very few places in all of Walt Disney World that offer a tasty meal in a pleasant surrounding with uh, attentive serving staff. While I've been to WDW three times in the past six years for week-long vacations, I have always eaten on WDW. Walt Disney World property, and had a magical experience each and every time, regardless of restaurant choices. I must be plainly naive and a food simpleton. I love that line. <laughs> I, it would appear, based on the close reviews, that any choices for a pleasant meal are limited to a handful of restaurants on WDD, uh, Walt Disney World property. His columns are such a downer. And I would only tell Mary Ellen, first of all, I'm thrilled that she's had nothing but great experiences. I base all of our, the restaurant reviews I do on one experience. I go in and I try and give people who are reading and listening a snapshot of what happens. I try and have a typical guest uh, um, experience. I don't do anything. I don't let them know I'm coming. I don't warn them that I'm there. I don't tell them I'm doing a review. I just sort of, it's an experiential review. Now, I've explained before, I also think that the price of your meal does not necessarily equate to whether it's good or bad. We just um, believe that if you come out telling me that you had a great time and your food was wonderful, then price becomes secondary. I understand that there are people on a budget, but 
that's a decision you make before going into the restaurant. Afterwards, you have to tell me that you thought the food was good, the service was good, and that you enjoyed your experience. If you can say all of those things, then I think you've found value. I myself do not feel that all of my experiences at Walt Disney World in the restaurants have been magical. And what I do is I tell you that, and I try and share my opinion. I apologize if you think they're a downer, but I only agreed to do this under one condition, that I could be 100% honest. It was one of the the things I asked for to begin with. Uh, if you want me to be a positive and upbeat and perky, then I'm not being honest with anybody. I, if it's a good experience, I'll tell you it's good. If it's not, I have to be honest about that as well. So again, Mary Ellen, I think it's absolutely wonderful that all of your experiences has um, been magical. I would never consider you to be naive or a food simpleton. I think it's an opinion. You're entitled to yours. I'm entitled to mine. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing, too, that people need to keep in mind is that, you know, we we have chosen to take on a responsibility of sharing this information with a large number of people. So, you know, it's not like we're just on vacation, having a grand old time, going into a restaurant where, you know, this great day in the Magic Kingdom is now carrying over into our meal. Um, we are literally looking at the meal as the event. And so that can skew it a little bit as well. And... You know, it's like Kevin said, it, he's, you know, just going to be honest so far. And I've, I've, I've checked him out a couple times, you know, restaurants that he's given bad reviews to him. thinking, oh, no, maybe he was too harsh. Every time that's I've stopped doing it now. Yeah. Because every time I've done it, he's turned out to be 100 percent right. Uh, I'm not saying he's always 100 percent right. I'm not saying that it's always a scenario where he wasn't there on an off night. But I'm not going to waste any more of my money <laughs> not following his reviews. Because every time I don't, I end up, you know, that happened. You know, you you didn't like Napa Rose the last time we were out there a few years ago. I thought you were out of your mind. And it took me, it cost me $1,000 this last trip to figure out that Napa Rose was overpriced and uh, with mediocre food. An example, Kevin, is uh, we did La Cellier's for for several years. And we always had a good experience on Christmas Eve. This past year, we... Went to La Cellier's, and we had a, a very bad experience there. Actually, you know, I've gotten a lot of credit for saying that I had a really bad experience. And I think if you go back and look at that review, the review wasn't bad. My yeah. food wasn't bad. I I don't mean to belabor this point, but I think La Cellier has a reputation it doesn't deserve as being the make-and-break meal of your trip. Yeah. I think people think that if you can't get a reservation there, I mean, it seats about maybe 50 people tops at any given time. And the idea that if you can't eat there, then you might as well not come. Mm. I think that's ridiculous. I also took them to task for charging the same price from last year to this year, where I described a dish, the tomato stack with mozzarella that I get every Christmas Eve. And now it's one slice of tomato with a few marbles of mozzarella and they're charging more money for it. I didn't say the food was bad there, and I did not give it a negative review. I yeah. said I don't think it's the I don't think it's the icon that people make it out to well, be. It's a different experience than we've had in the last right. two or three I think, years. And I, I, I'm not looking to defend myself, but I also want Mary Ellen to know that I explained last week that one of my favorite restaurants, John and I eat for twenty one dollars. 
It's a Mexican restaurant here in Orlando. It's basically Mexican fast food. You go up to the counter and order it, and they bring it out to you. And the two of us can feast for $22. I can also tell you that we went to a restaurant recently where lunch for the for four people um, approached $150. I also thought that was absolutely spectacular. The name of it is Enzo's on the Lake, and it's really hard to find. It's in Longwood, Florida. It's worth the drive. It's open for lunch one day a week. It's open on Friday from 1130 to 230. It's definitely worth your time and your effort. The food was spectacular, but it was expensive. Hmm. So I consider both of them good values. They're different experiences. So I don't think that being a food simpleton or a food snob or being naive has anything to do with it. I also need to agree with what Pete said. I'm talking about an experience where I walk in cold. I haven't spent the day in the park with my family and my friends having a wonderful time. I'm not having that carryover. I'm also reviewing the restaurant based on a restaurant. This is not as part of your vacation. This is a restaurant. And I think, I believe that there are places on property that even though the prices are inflated and what we call theme park prices, I still think you get a good value for your food or excuse me, for your money. I also think there are places and I reviewed the Maya grill last week where it wouldn't have mattered what that meal cost. It was, it was horrendous. If they had been a dollar 50, I would tell you that this was not worth your time or your effort. It wasn't good food, and it was prepared sloppily, and my server was wonderful. So that's what I would tell you. I try and be as honest as possible based on that experience. Will I go back and re-review a place? Absolutely. But there's a lot of places that we haven't hit yet, and there's no sense in going back and re-reviewing something when there's other places to tell you about. Right. Okay. Thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, We have another voicemail from Kathy in South Carolina. She has some tips for our listeners, as well as a question about this Sunrise Safari. So here's Kathy. Hi, guys. This is Kathy from South Carolina calling. I had a couple of different things. I had one tip for your for your listeners. Um, we recently went on a trip. Um, it was about two weeks ago during the early part of March where it was really cold and horrendously raining every night um, and tornado warnings and the whole the whole nine yards there. And we were booked into Coronado um, Springs Resort, and we hated it. Um, We felt like we were trapped in our room. We couldn't get out and do anything at night. And the stay was just really awful. It was affecting how we felt the next day about going to the parks, everything. It was just a really bad experience. So finally, after two days of that, we decided we would just go up and talk to the front desk and see what we could do. Um, And we actually ended up changing resorts. Um, and that works out perfectly. Um, they can credit how much you've paid to the new resort so you don't lose anything there, um, which we were worried about. And we got to change to the Wilderness Lodge with a big, huge lobby um, and with plenty of stuff to do inside if the weather was really bad outside. So if you guys ever find... Um, if somebody finds that they're trapped, they feel like they're trapped down there, they're not enjoying um, their resort where they're staying, you know, the weather's really took a turn for the worst, go up and talk to um, the front desk, see what they can do for you, see if they can get you booked in somewhere else. Um, you know, obviously we did have to pay the difference, but it was a difference between being trapped in our room and hating our trip and um, actually having some fun and enjoying ourselves and really, really having a great time. And the cast members at Coronado did help us do that, and we felt just so much better um, being at Wilderness. So that that was one tip I had. Um, one question I had, and maybe a possible seg- segment for Bob, is 
I'm wondering about the Sunrise Safari at Animal Kingdom Lodge. I'm looking for something a little bit different to do with the kids. Um, I know at one point it was only available to the concierge guests, um, but I thought I had read a, w a while ago, a couple months ago, that other guests are now possible, um, can take that. So I was wondering, is that true? Can other guests get on the Sunrise Safari? And have you guys done a review of that yet? Um, thanks very much, and we enjoy the podcast here, and we love listening every every week. Pete, uh, I can uh, sympathize with her as far as Coronado Springs. I just did a review of Coronado Springs, and it, it seems like that resort is so spread out, and you're, you're, none of the buildings can actually connect to the main building. So you, it's almost a mile around the the walkway around the lake that's in the middle there, and you can really, if it's a rainy day, you're not going to be able to just run out in in the rain and run over to the the food court or whatever. It's it's a chore to get to some of these places. So, if if you're having a problem, like she said, ask to be moved to another hotel. That was a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel Coronado Springs, of any resort that I've ever stayed in is really geared to convention. And it's almost all geared to convention, it seems to me. And my, I, I have a review coming up in the next week or so, and I have some definite opinions about the resort. And so, Actually, most of the moderate resorts aren't connected to the main lobby, like as far as the, the rooms go. So, but I mean, that's particularly egregious in terms of the distance you have to walk. Yeah, the way Carnot is set up as this big oval... You know, you really—they've put the most distance between you and the and the main building. Yeah, no shortcut. The, the, you know, Port Orleans. At least the buildings are set up in a way that you can definitely get there through the paths and the walking. When, when I, you know, you know the story. I used to work IT. We did uh, resort uh, support, and used to get that call that there was something wrong with uh, a computer in one of the housekeeping areas out in the casitas or something at Coronado. And you'd just be like, oh, man, <laughs> i got to lug all my stuff out there and try to fix this computer. And yeah. they're just they're so far away. Well, uh, something that people don't really realize is Coronado Springs is, I believe, the third largest convention center in or the Orlando area. It, I mean, it's huge. It is huge. It's a huge resort. It's, it's, and it's... Uh, and one of the things they do, they put the, like the, uh, the arcade is out by the dig site. Mm. And so, it, you know, if you were to get to the main building, you know, part of the stuff's there. The dig site has the arcade. And yeah, it, you're it's, right. it's just. Yeah, and even so the main building itself, there's nothing to do there. Yeah, food court and right. the Rick's uh, lounge if you dress properly. Right. There's that fountain in the middle. Yeah. And a, some kind of burrow. I don't think anybody going to the food court is going to be dressed appropriately enough to go, or I'm sorry, to going to the, the arcade is going to be dressed appropriately enough to go to Rick's Lounge. No. They're probably not the same audience. But not old enough to get into Rick's Lounge. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I actually meant. Didn't come out that way. But I'll leave my review for another day. Now, as far as the Sunrise Safari goes, as far as we know, um, the information we have, that is still a uh, an event that is exclusive to... Animal Kingdom Lodge concierge guests, and we have never done it. Um, I I did do there. There was another concierge safari they offered to other concierge guests. It's not a sunrise. Goes on uh, during during the day. It was actually very uh, very good. You know, we uh, 
you know, uh, yeah, we we had all done it. Yep, and uh, was excellent. I mean, you get a chance to really take some great pictures out on the savannah. They stop and actually let you like, you know, unlike the uh, Kilimanjaro Safari where the ride vehicle is not allowed to stop moving, they can slow down but they can't stop. This actually parks in certain places right. and allows you to see stuff and take video and ask questions, which and, was very nice. It, yeah, it points out things that you're not going to be point uh, have people point out to you when you're on the safari. Right? I think this is one of the things that Samantha Brown just did. Now, what kind of vehicle are you in? You're not in the the safari cars from the ride. It's more like time. a bus. It was more like a bus. Yeah, without air conditioning. With that particular one, did not have air conditioning. It did was it have kind win- of, all the windows yes. were up? <laughs> then, no, no, no. The windows were no, we open. Can, you open. can open the windows. Thank God. But it wasn't a big open air no. thing. No, 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 no. We would have been. Yeah, maybe it's not the same one. The ones that she was in on her TV show, she they showed it. It was, it looked kind of like a flatbed truck with a say, fence around it. Yeah, no, it was, that's not what we rode. No, we weren't in that. Ours was yeah, kind of like a, a, a vanish type of like a bus tour bus type thing. Not no, not a tour bus. A, it's like a, shuttle. a limo bus. A shuttle bus, yeah, limo bus was kind of what ours was like. So, so yeah, we really don't have any information directly on the Sunrise Safari, so I can't review that for you. But those who have done it. We have heard, uh, really loved it, uh, that it was a great, a great experience. So, But remember, uh, as far as I know, you do need to be a concierge guest at Animal Kingdom Lodge in order to do the Sunrise Safari. It's not just for any concierge guest. And be up before sunrise. And be up before, yep. It's like a 6 a.m. deal. So. so thank you for that question, Kathy. All right. We're going to move on to our next voicemail. We have... Katie in Virginia, and I didn't write down what Katie's voicemail was about, so we'll all... She had the dream about us. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Katie's uh, very disturbed. (laughs) (laughs) And is about to prove it to us, uh, telling us all about her dream. So here's Katie. Hi, Pete, Kevin, John, Corey, Julie, Bob, Will, Anthony, Regina, Max, and I'm forgetting somebody, and I'm sorry. Um... This is Katie from Virginia, um, missing the world on the disc boards, although I'm pretty much more of a lurker, and I don't really have a question or feedback. Um, I just thought I'd call you and let you know this. I had a dream about y'all last night. Um, it's really weird, and actually, um, y'all weren't the only ones in that. Walter was in it, too, but I was at a house with all of you guys. It was a huge villa in Florida, and... Um, Walter was a tall black man who looked like Denzel Washington, and the rest of you look like, well, what I imagine you looking as um, and how you look on the pictures on the div boards. And um, I couldn't get out. It was like the Eagle song, Hotel California. You kept giving me directions and kept sending me down weird hallways and into corners or in the swimming pool room, and everything was very kind of weird, art deco, very bizarre plastic looking. Anyways, um, just thought I'd call and share that with you. Don't know why. Hope y'all are having a great day. And um, can't wait to hear the um, next podcast. Talk to you later. We all got quite a kick out of your... Uh, That's funny. I am now singing Hotel California in my head. The funny part is that she got it right on the... Ha- hit the nail on the head. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like here when we record. <laughs> we can't get out. Where's the exit? Oh, and, and, and the one name you forgot, uh, Katie, was Figaro. You forgot to say hello to Figaro. And Pete does live in a big plastic Art Deco palace. 
<laughs> with a swimming pool in the middle. That's right. My name is Erica Kane. And, and Walter you, looks like Denzel. And if you got to, <laughs> if you got to the front door, the front door sticks a lot of times, and we can't. Not anymore. Out. We got the locks changed. <laughs> oh, the front okay. door doesn't stick. It doesn't stick anymore. But it used to. You got the locks changed. And if you, you ever had trouble call. leaving, I would just push out, push it through the oh, door. Thank you. I wonder if she listens to us before she goes to bed. You know? And that's why we translate. Maybe I th- we thought that was funny. Yeah, very that funny. was very funny. Really, that was that was because very cute. Corey makes me watch like murder mysteries and cop shows before we go to bed, and I, I dream about beating people up. <laughs> <laughs> that she starts punching. Or Corey. if we watch Big Brother after dark, we'll dream about the Big Brother cast. Yeah. Diana doesn't let me do any mystery or gun sh- shooting shows late at night <laughs> after eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no liquids either. No, I have liquids. <laughs> <laughs> I can Bob's on a tight leash. <laughs> I'm not on a tight leash. I can do what I ever want. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, Diana? <laughs> you, should, you should be there when we go out to dinner, and he has to turn to her and say, can I order this on the no, menu? No, I've never done that. <laughs> never have I done that. Can I have some money? I've done that. Right? <laughs> Does that all the time. I do that all the time, but I've never asked if Bob's I can Bob's not allowed order. to spend more than $50 without calling Diana. No. So, all right. She well, did. thank you very much for that, Katie. We appreciate the voicemail. Uh, we're going to move on to our next uh, voicemail. Daniel has a question for Kevin regarding his Crystal Palace review. Here's Daniel. Hey, podcast team. It's uh, Daniel Barkowitz calling from Boston, Mass. Uh, I am Dr. Witz on the board. Uh, just a quick comment about Kevin's review of Crystal Palace, which I just finished listening to. Great review. We actually had a great meal there when we went. At one point, we had the kids and did the whole Winnie the Pooh thing. Um, they loved it, and the character interaction, I agree, was absolutely fantastic. But Kevin referred a couple of times to the fact that this was the best of the three restaurants in the Magic Kingdom. And I know this was an oversight, and he was talking about Tony's uh, and also um, uh, Liberty Tree tavern, but uh, he kept on forgetting to mention Cinderella's Palace, uh, Cinderella's Royal Table, which we've only had excellent meals at while we've been in the Magic Kingdom, and in fact, I would say that's also a restaurant that could stand on its own. Um, so I wondered about where, you know, where Kevin would put that restaurant, Crystal Palace, in relationship to Cinderella's Royal Table. Does he think it's better? Does he not? Uh, and does he not think of it as sort of in the Magic Kingdom because it's in the castle itself? Just uh, some curiosity. So, again, thanks for the excellent job. It was a great review. It was a great show. Um, and look forward to hearing the answer. Thanks. Bye. Uh, Daniel, you're right. When I did the review, I talked about three restaurants. There were actually five. The ones I missed were Cinderella's Royal Table and the Plaza. I consider them a little different than just regular sit-down restaurants. First of all, the Plaza is a sandwich shop. I love the plaza. It's um, classic Disney. However, it's not, in my, in my mind, it's not like a dinner kind of place where you would go for dinner. It's more of a lunch place. You can eat there all day. But I did forget that one. And the other one I forgot was Cinderella's Royal Table. And I've never reviewed Cinderella's Royal Table. I've eaten there myself. I haven't been there in several years since it's changed its policies. However... Cinderella's Royal Table is an event, and I think it's kind of review-proof. I think most people don't go there for the restaurant. I think they go there to be inside the castle and for their kids to see the princesses. Uh, I don't think me telling you whether or not the food is worthy or not is 
really going to change most people's mind. I don't think they're going to do anything to change the food. It's a cash cow for Disney, and they know that people are coming there. First, they get to eat in the, the in the castle, which is, you know, you're paying for real estate, and you do get to meet the princesses. So I, I don't – I also – there's such a fuss about getting reservations for breakfast or dinner that I try and kind of downplay it because people do become very, very – upset if something happens that they can't get it. We've had people tell us that that will make or break their children's res- or their children's vacation. So it's one of those things I've kind of steered clear of. If you like it, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great if that's what you want to do. And I think anybody who's thinking about going is going to go whether I say so or not. So I've just kind of stayed away from it and I don't it's not one of the places you can walk into the Magic Kingdom and decide you're hungry and go to dinner for dinner. Right. Yeah. It's, that's a, You have to plan that one out well in advance. Right. So that's really the reason why I excluded it from the three sit-down restaurants. Okay. I should have stated that in the review, but I kind of just didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, you did now. So thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Daniel. We have another voicemail from eight-year-old Ainsley who has a question for Bob. Mm-hmm. So here's Ainsley. Hey, y'all, this is Ainsley from Jackson, Mississippi, and I'm eight years old. Walt Disney World is my favorite place to be and one of my favorite things to do while I'm there with my family is is to trade pins. I heard on one of your podcasts that Bob has some really cool Will Robinson pins. I mean, Christopher Robinson pins. I know that they are really valuable, but I was wondering that if I saved up my allowance, I just might have enough to get one to add to my collection. Mr. Bob, could you please tell me how much money I need to buy one of your pens? might take a while if they're like a few hundred dollars, but if you can hold on for me, I would like that. By the way, I'm glad to know that there are adults that like Disney as much as I do, besides my parents. Keep up the good work, and I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Ainsley. Uh, I will be looking in my pin collection this evening to see if I can find my Christopher Robbins pins. And we, right by now. the way, we really loved that little uh, yeah. Will Robinson, that little dig. That was great. That was really, <laughs> really cool. <laughs> so, For those who haven't been following, Bob has a uh, habit of referring to Christopher Robbins from the... Uh, Winnie the, Pooh. Winnie the Pooh series as Will Robinson, who was the son on Lost in Space. Danger, Christopher Robinson, danger. <laughs> and these were collector's pins that were sure to catch on, and I got like four of them. And Bob was speculating. Yeah, and got burnt big time. But they were eventually going to be worth something. Well, how much, how much are you going to charge Ainsley? Ainsley gets one free. Wow. How nice. Isn't like, that nice? You caught him on a good boot day. Good boot day. <laughs> Plus, we can send a, a Diz Unplugged lanyard to. to well, of course. We oh, yeah. her, uh, she gets an email. I'll gets, ask her what she, she wants, and she can decide. Okay. Well, she'll get So the, you're going to have to get Julie the Christopher Robinson pin. Yeah, I'll bring it tomorrow. Okay. Cool. Cool. I have to say, you know, she her She's, little voice sounds like my little sister, Corey's sister-in-law, Taylor. So that was kind of sweet. Yeah, she, she yeah, did a very good job. She did. She has a lovely voice. A lot of uh, very well-spoken young people listening to our show. We love that. Makes me uh, makes me kind of self-conscious about some of the things we say sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> there are young ears listening. And they did that without having to edit or anything. I'm telling you. Yeah, they went straight through. <laughs> we, we can't do that here. 
Oh, well, maybe if we scripted everything out, we might be able to get through it, but I'd probably still screw it up, so. Well, good. Who else has an email they would like to I read? I do. Oh, Miss Julie is I right saw you getting ready money. to say I do. <laughs> Mine is from Alessandra. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, she's in Italy. I think it's Triste. Who knows? So if I did not say that correctly, I apologize. I actually... Uh, spoke to her on our DISM plug board. She recently started posting, so I welcomed her and told her that we had been to her lovely country and hope to visit again someday. But she writes, Hi guys, I am from Italy, and next time I go to Disney, I was planning to bring walkie-talkies. My question is, are they allowed in the parks? Because as we are not living in the U.S., communicating with cell phones is not an option. Walkie-talkies would be great for us. I love your show. Keep doing the great job you do. It's awesome. Yes, walkie-talkies are allowed. Feel free to use them. Um, Corey and I actually, we like to use them on our cruises. It's fun whenever we're separated. And just make sure you buy a nice set. You yeah, know, yeah, don't, don't go don't cheap. Don't go cheap. Yeah. Because range, range makes a big difference. We have a 17-mile range. Yeah, we did Motor- Motorola. That's what and we used. you had no trouble on the ship? No trouble. I was at Castaway, and she was on the ship. And What about if... If like you're down in deck three or four, and there you're up. We on had no issues. No issues at all. That's good. Yeah. So go ahead. Wow. The the one thing on walkie talkies, I just want to mention is there's only a limited amount of channels, so you may end up hearing other people on the walkie talkie, which yeah, because a lot of people bring them to the parks. Yeah. So if you're going to get one, like Corey said, don't buy cheap. Make They'll sure. probably be speaking Italian, so she'll know when it's. Well, that, her partner or, or whatever. A, <laughs> There's yeah. something else to consider. When John and I went to Italy, we looked into cell phone service. And one of the things that we had to do was we had to notify our carrier. And we got a world phone. And I don't know if that's something that's an option. We bought a phone here in the United States that was good to use in Europe. So... I don't know if there's something you can do with your cell phone service, if it's transferable. But you might want to check with your cell phone carrier to see if your cell phone will work in the United States. The problem is it gets to be expensive because you have roaming charges and things like that. But it's something you might want to check into. I think the walkie-talkies are an excellent option for just talking to each other. Yes, yeah. definitely. Cause, you know, what if she wants to order pizza? <laughs> use the hotel phone. That's expensive. To call local? I don't know. <laughs> I do see people looking confused at their walkie-talkies at times. Though, if she's from Italy and she's ordering pizza at Walt Disney World, she's got a lot of problems anyway. <laughs> Her biggest problem is not using the phone. Yeah, really. All right, well, thank you, Julie. Thank you, Alessandra. All right, Bob, you have one you want to read? Yes, I have one from Jennifer from Medford, New Jersey. And they're planning on uh, attending the... Uh, podcast taping on the 4th of May and she's sending her RSVP and she, she has a question uh, she's going to be running in the in the 5k race that Julie mentioned uh, the other day and she's trying to figure out the best way to get over to Epcot for the 7am start they're staying at Sheridan Bastana and uh, they need some info on how to get there should they use an early shuttle or a cab or what so my recommendation is number one you're going to have to get there at like 5 a.m i believe i mean there's there's a a head time there that you're not just going to be able to get there at like six so you're going to have to get there real early 
And I looked into taxis, and from Sheridan Bastana Resort, the distance to Epcot is between five and six miles. And uh, taxi rates are two twenty-five for the first quarter mile, and uh, two dollars for each additional mile after that. So that comes out to about fourteen dollars and twenty-five cents, not including tip. Are you a hundred percent sure on that? Because they charged me. I took a cab from the airport to my house, and you know how close that is. Yeah. It was $24. All so I, I, I get this off of Yellow Cab, Florida. But you know what? I, I, they do charge more from the airport because they'll charge airport fees, airport taxes, and they'll also charge you the tolls. Yeah. So well, there's yeah, no, no tolls. tolls, though. No tolls coming for me. Because, oh, there's no tolls your no. way. Okay. For us, but, it would be. Uh, uh, there's a link, uh, www.yellowcabflorida.com. And there's a place where you can look for rates for the Orlando area, but and I got that. That's the meter rate, which said two twenty uh, two twenty five for the first quarter mile, and then two dollars for each mile after that. So well, they're not going to be running shuttles at that time either, are no, they? No, at five o'clock in the morning, you're going to have to. Your best bet is to probably touch base with them the night before, so you have a, a cab waiting for you at like five a.m. or four thirty in the morning. You're going to have to get up real early to, to make this event. Why don't you run over? <laughs> no, that would be running anyway. Yeah, know. well, anyway, it's six miles. Uh, the other thing, when I was doing this, um, I came across information. I was trying to figure out how much distance was be- between Sheridan Bastana and Epcot. And I, I, I was looking for the uh, address of Epcot. And I, I came across the uh, GPS uh, information, which I think we're gonna. I'm going to be putting that information together for different spots on Disney property for people that have GPS systems. You can actually put in the coordinates. And yeah, like I have the uh, Epcot's coordinates, a latitude twenty eight point seven. We don't need them. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But all that the, makes for a compelling show. Let's read coordinates. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was... the Tropic of Cancer. <laughs> Welcome to it, Geek Chat. I thought it was interesting that, you know, a lot of people have these, the GPS systems now, and it, it make it a heck of a lot easier for people. Can't you just put it in Epcot? Yeah. If you, you know the, if you know the physical address, you can put it in, but sometimes it says if you don't know an address, put in the, the coordinates. Yeah. So I'm going to be... There are signs, too. There, well, there are signs, but <laughs> a lot of people... It's not like we're directing them to the wilderness. Yeah, you don't have to be Magellan here. Okay. But I, I thought it was something that I'm going to be doing in the near future. I'm sure people will appreciate it, Bob. Thanks. Three or four of them, anyway. Maybe, maybe <laughs> one or two. Follow. Look for the big That's ball. It. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bob. Anybody else have an email they'd like to read? Sure. Mine comes from the top of the pile. Hang on. (laughs) Mine comes from the Whitley family. Uh, This is from Donnie in Missouri. Donnie says, hi, I've heard in the past that meals at Walt Disney World have large portions and that some people who don't eat a lot could share meals. Then I heard that Disney stopped allowing this. Do you know if this is true? Do the Walt Disney World restaurants allow people to share meals? Thanks. 
Actually, I apologize. My email, the side of it has cut off. It's John's fault. His printer is funky. And I am not sure if this is Donnie or Connie. So please, I apologize right up front. But the last name is Whitley. Uh, first of all, I don't know that, that Walt Disney World has a policy on sharing meals. I know that we often share a meal. My mom's not a big eater. But what will happen is she'll order a meal and then I'll order an appetizer or a soup to go along with it. I think what they're looking to do is just looking to make sure that each seat has some total on the bill. I don't think there's a hard and fast policy about you not sharing a meal, but I think if two or three of you go in and order one meal and one meal only, you're going to feel uncomfortable doing it. Yeah. I would just make sure that, you know, maybe an appetizer. Yeah, if you go, yeah, if you go in and ask for one meal and two plates. Right. Yeah. I would just make sure that one of you ordered a soup or a salad and one of you ordered the appet- or the entree, that you could share a meal and still... Yeah. Be comfortable. It's restaurant to restaurant is basically the policy, and we'll go in and your mother will ask. Right. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to order a meal for myself. Is it all right if we share a meal? And sometimes there's a, a plate sharing charge. They yeah. charge you a couple bucks to share. So. The other thing that we've um, done at Walt Disney World and other places is if it's an adult who doesn't eat a lot, uh, you can ask if you can order off the children's menu. Now, again, this is restaurant to restaurant, and you're going to have to ask what their policy is. I know that. For instance, if you go to Outback, Outback will allow an adult to order off the children's menu. However, they add a $2 surcharge to the cost of the meal because it's an adult meal. You get a smaller portion. I also have just been looking into some information for people who have had weight loss surgery. And Disney World is offering an opportunity that if you um, have weight loss surgery and have information from your doctor that you have indeed had that, you can get sort of like a guest assistance card from guest services, and you can pay a children's price at the buffet. You're talking about people who had something like gastric, gastric bypass. Or the yeah. lap band, yeah. so that if you've had some sort of weight loss surgery. Something that makes you... You get full faster, so you Correct. don't consume. Fascinating That's report scary. on that on 60 Minutes last week. Do you realize that in 80% of the cases, people with diabetes who have the gastric bypass no longer have diabetes when they're done? Whatever they do in the bypass, it actually cures diabetes. Um, it's amazing. A lot of times, well, I don't want to get medical, but with adult onset diabetes, a lot of it has to do with the extra weight being carried around the stomach region, and that's why. Well, no, they said this was specifically because of, of the, the physi- small intestine it. being cut. There's some something on the where they cut to do the bypass is basically what regulate. I, I have to watch it again. It was if it was absolutely fascinating. Wow. In Sixty minutes this last week, um, they interviewed six people that had gastric bypass. All of them had were diabetic before the uh, operation, and all of them have been years now off of insulin. I thought you were going to say 80% gain, gain the weight back. No, as a matter that? of fact, no. it's just the opposite. It's that the people keep the weight off. Uh, the, the success rate for it is extraordinary. Well, don't I mean your stomach is like the size of a walnut afterwards, Yeah, but right? your, your stomach is also a muscle that expands. Um, but if it's, my, my you, father, you, can only, you can only put so much in, but right? But you can keep expanding and expanding. My father had uh, a stomach operation where he had 90% of his stomach removed and it was the size of a walnut, but it's since expanded, and he eats the same amount of food now. Look at Carney Wilson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she did have that done. So, no, you can. But then she had a kid. You can gain it back, but it, it, it actually, you know, again, I don't want to go too far off on right. this topic, <laughs> but you just mentioned it, and it just dawned on that's, me. That I, that's fascinating. Though. I didn't know they could, they'll do that now, let you order off the children's menu. That's really great. Right. I just want to let you know, Kevin, it is Connie. 
is it? Mm-hmm. Even with my glasses on, I couldn't tell because it was kind of cut off. I, I apologize for calling you Donnie. <laughs> cool. Sorry. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Connie. All right. Our next voicemail comes to us from Kenny in the San Francisco Bay Area. has a number of questions about an upcoming trip. So here's Kenny. Hey, Diz Crew. It's uh, Kenny from the San Francisco Bay Area. Hey, I just had a couple of quick questions. Um, Me and my girlfriend, who are both 21, and my cousin and my brother, who are both 18, they're going to be coming with us for uh, their graduation uh, present, their graduation trip. Um, Anyways, we're going to be coming August 11th to the 18th, or August 11th to the 19th, I'm sorry. And we're going to be... me and my girlfriend, we're contemplating getting the uh, annual pass for this year. Um, we're, the reason why I ask is, or reason why we're thinking about getting it is because we're definitely going to be coming back next year when Harry Potter opens up at Universal. Um, we wanted to see if it would be worth it where we're going to be coming this year for about eight or nine days and probably the same amount of time next year. Um, also, we wanted to see... Um, if there was any discounts or anything like that that you would, that you that generally comes out around that time, about like what are the room rates for uh, annual pass holders um, around that time? Also, um, I wanted to see with that eighty-six dollar ticket uh, over at Universal that seven days that doesn't expire. If I were to buy it today and use like two days uh, when we go in August. Would we be at all going, would those days expire after seven days, or would they still be available for next year when we decide to go back? Um, We're only going to be using maybe one or two days uh, this August when we come, but like I said, we're definitely going to come back next year for Harry Potter, so we're just hoping that maybe the days don't expire, the unused days don't expire. Also, um, lastly, just wanted to tell some of your listeners, your newer listeners, that um, Tour Guide Mike well, is uh, an amazing service. Uh, last year when we were planning our trip, you guys had mentioned something about that, and so I had looked into it for our uh, July trip last summer, and me and my girlfriend, we used it, and we totally loved it. It was an amazing service and real detailed, and Tour Guide Mike definitely gave us any tips that we could have ever needed. Um, so just wanted to, you know, pass it on to your listeners, and hopefully you guys can pump Tour Guide Mike up more than what you guys already are doing. Um, thanks a lot, Discrew, and keep up the great work. All right, bye-bye. Well, Kenny, first of all, um, in terms of good deals around the time you're looking for, you're saying August 11th to the 19th, you can push that up five days. Uh, free dining starts on the 24th of August and runs through the 20th of September. So especially given that you're two 21-year-olds and two 18-year-olds, I'm imagining the money you would save with the free dining probably would be a, a big help. Uh, it could be a substantial savings. I think when we figured it out, it was like about a 45% uh, savings by by doing that. So it's pretty substantial. So if you can, you know, unless it's a big deal... If you can move that from the 11th to the 19th uh, to start on the 24th, uh, you're going to save yourself some money. Um, as for the annual pass, unfortunately, Harry Potter is not going to be, according to our sources anyway, 
but our sources haven't been 100% on everything. Um, according to our sources, it's uh, Harry Potter is not going to be opening. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter will not be opening until later next year. So your annual pass probably will have expired by the time uh, that comes around. Yep. So, uh, you know, they have been planning it for spring. And again, we don't have this officially. Uh, we're getting it from a, a source inside Universal who's telling us this. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to see, but I would, I would not buy my annual pass based solely on, yeah. on that. Also, um, the annual pass rates, there's, that's not a guarantee. Just because you have an annual pass does not mean you get a hotel discount. Right. They announce annual pass holder rates occasionally, and they're very popular. Just having one will not guarantee you a discount. Correct. Now, as far as that universal ticket goes, no. Once you actually use a day on it, the ticket itself does not expire. But once you use it, once you use one day, that seven-day clock starts to tick. And you have I would se- buy two sets. You have, a seven day t- you have seven days from the date of first use to u- use the ticket. After that, it expires automatically. But the ticket itself, until it's used, that ticket does not expire. So you could buy that ticket now, and you could use that three years from now. Right. And that price did go down. It's $81. It's 81 yep. tax. It's wow. 81 plus tax. So, um, there are buy the, Yeah, buy the four for you to use while you're here in August and buy another set for you and your girlfriend. Hopefully, you're still together. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to be positive. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, come on. Like Kevin says, I hope they're still married. <laughs> yeah, right. And I get, not I Kevin, think that John. Was John. <laughs> I looked at John and said, Kevin. I was going to say, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> and I'm going to get ring for saying that. They're not even married. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> buy that second set. So, hope that answers your question. I want to thank you for mentioning Tour Guide Mike. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of Mike's. Um, on top of having a great site, he is just a heck of a nice guy. Uh, absolutely, just a, a gem of a guy. So, uh, tourguidemike.com uh, is a site that uh, was set up by a former Disney VIP cast member, a VIP guest services cast member who used to take all the celebrities around the parks and knows all the ins and outs and has followed very closely over the years. And he still does. He has a private company now where he takes VIPs around the park. But he also has a website, tourguidemike.com, where he's kind of put a lot of the information and things he's learned over the years into a a system of planning your trip. And uh, he is an advertiser on our uh, theme parks board. I just want to make sure we have full disclosure on that. But uh, like with every other advertiser on the site, they're not here unless I'm, I really like them. So tourguidemike.com, thank you very much, uh, Kenny, for the shout-out to them and for giving us a call. We appreciate it. Our next voicemail comes to us from Megan in Juneau, Alaska, who has a question about what to do with one day in Orlando if you don't want to do Disney. So here's Megan. Hey, podcast crew. This is Megan Lovejoy calling from Juneau, Alaska. I am Alaskan mommy on the boards. Um, love the show. You guys do such a wonderful job. Um, you guys have a great rapport, and it's just so much fun to listen to you guys every week. I do have one caveat, though. You guys really should carry a pre-show cautionary statement um, at the beginning of every podcast, you know, something along the lines of, warning, this podcast may become extremely addictive after only one listen. Anyway, that just goes to show how good of a job you guys do. And um, I had a question for y'all. We are going to Disney World for eight days next year at the end of November, and then we hop on 
the magic for seven days on the 6th of December. After we get off the cruise, we're going to have um, one day where we would like to do something really fun in Orlando, non-Disney. Um, we have only ever done Disney in Orlando, and we um, have heard, I've heard you talk about a few things, but I was just wondering if you guys could give some advice as to what a couple families with we have we'll, we will be having kids four six and eight with us. Um, some of us are also foodies, so if you could recommend a good family place we could go to for dinner, that would be awesome. And then just something really fun we could all do for um, the day in Orlando after we get off the boat. Anyway, you guys do a great job. Keep up the awesome work, and um, always remember to keep your pearls below your crown. <laughs> Bye. All right, Megan. Um, well, what do you guys think? If you only have one day, one and day, she's got a not four, Disney. a six, and an eight-year-old, right? I would say SeaWorld. Yep, that's where I was going. SeaWorld. Yeah, I agree. SeaWorld slash Aquatica. And if you're not um, into, if you don't want to, if you're theme parked out at that point, you know, even the whole I Drive area is pretty nice. Go around Point Orlando; they have things for the kids like the Ripley's. Um, Wonderworks and mini golf and things like that. And I like the, the Pirates Cove. It's really nice. And there are plenty of places to eat around there too. So if you don't want to step foot in another theme park, you know. Nice places to eat since yeah. they're foodies. Yeah. yeah, especially Point Orlando has some nice mm-hmm. stuff. Um, trying to think of what else though. I'm a big fan of Celebration. I say it over and over again. Yeah, but for kids? Yeah, it's well, Gatorland. The thing about Celebration is that Gatorland? <laughs> Gatorland. Oh. <laughs> Gatorland's another option, yeah. yeah. The thing about the celebration is while it's not a theme park and stuff, there really is a lot for kids to do. There's and, a fountain that kids can play right. in. There's an ice cream shop, but there's also the um, Celebration Town Tavern if she's looking for a good place to go to eat that's funny, reasonably I, priced. That's one of the, it's funny that you should say that she was asking for some place to go. That would be one of my recommendations. That's someplace John and I eat regularly. Yeah. And uh, Bob mentioned Gatorland, and Gatorland is, a, is an old Florida attraction. It's been here for a long time. It predates uh, the theme parks. And uh, is pr- kind of a, pretty much a staple in Central Florida, and I, I personally have not been there. I have, and you have to be fascinated by alligators. Okay, because they come in every conceivable size, <laughs> and they kind of just lay there. Yeah, they're not very active. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just it's it's one of those things that you have to do once, but once is plenty. But for a four, six, and eight year old. I'm sorry. When they, it's like they just lay there. Well, I think there are more. If they usually, kids are usually pretty active, and once you've seen them, yeah. you can go see them for free at Gaylord Palms. Yeah. yeah. You know, another option, and we don't talk about it enough on the show, um, is you know, if you're getting off the ship and you want something to do that day, right up the street from the port is the Kennedy Space Center, mm. and that's a great day. That's just a great day for your kids, for you. Um, I have to. I would agree with you. If your kids were ten, eleven, and fifteen, a four-year-old, I don't know. Yeah, and I think it depends on the four-year-old. I mean, if the kid is like space stuff, I mean, he'd be fascinated by some of the. That's true. You know, seeing the rockets and things like that. There are kids who are really into it. I mean, Especially get to go into the the, the mock space shuttle and yeah. Um, there's other stuff. I mean, there's other stuff they can do. I mean, I have friends that. Uh, that are four years old? Well, they, no. They, they have the well, grandson that's four-year-old. Four uh, he'd do anything to just go play miniature golf in one of the miniature golf courses, either on Disney property. We have, a friend who, we have friends who have a four-year-old, 
and we've seen him a couple times in the last couple of weeks, and every time he wants to co-play jungle golf. Aww. His name is Tyler, and every time Tyler says it, I said, Tyler, I hate miniature golf. <laughs> can we go do anything else? He told me I can go and sit and watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kevin, no, Kevin, no, Kevin. I want to play jungle golf. Play. You can play so, jungle golf. But I, I think SeaWorld is the best option for him because that'll cover everybody. SeaWorld are a water park, and there's a couple of them to choose from. And we mentioned this before. SeaWorld has some pretty good food Yeah, when it comes yeah. to theme park food. That yeah. was Max. That was Max saying hello. Max is wearing tambourines. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Kevin. I thought he had bells on. <laughs> Sorry. And that was Bob's lung. It has tambourines as well. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking over Pete's shoulder out a window, and there's a blue jay on the, the fence right next to Oh, my to goodness. It. He's beautiful. Yeah, he's around here a lot. I actually see him out back a lot. Anyone got a BB gun? Stop it. We have one that frequents our backyard, too. A BB um, gun? Does anyone have a... Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Megan, for the question. I hope we gave you some options there. I think uh, SeaWorld is certainly one of the top options for you. Uh, but... Uh, you know, consider Kennedy Space Center, too. Uh, does anybody have an email they want to read? No? I do. Julie? Um, just I've been saving it for a while. Um, it's from Jackie, who sent us the lovely packages from Scotland. Oh. So I want to yeah, be Yeah, Jackie, sure. all of it's gone. Send more, please. <laughs> Especially those shortbread cookies. Those were very, very good. Those were good. She says, hi, everyone. Um, she has a shopping challenge for me. Uh, she's coming to Walt Disney World in July for what will be her 14th trip with her wow. family. Wow! I love shopping, but when it comes to souvenir shopping, it's become a bit of a chore. Having been so many times before, I'm struggling to buy gifts that are original. My family have all the mugs, pins, and general Disney products you can think of. And going home without any gifts is not an option. So she wants suggestions um, that mm. are something a bit different but still Disney. She want, has to buy gifts for couples that are 30-something. Her sisters and the men in their lives, and her budget is around $20 per present. Any ideas would be fantastic. No, that's where you lost me. So I came up with a few, and then, of course, you guys, if you have any, feel free to insert. Um, I'm not sure if there's a Disney store in Scotland or anywhere near there, but I thought gift cards are always nice. Or Disney dollars, because they can be collectible. So, you know, you can get a few different ones when you have $21 bills. Um, my ideas in Japan... They have chopsticks. If the, any of these people are into eating sushi, these can be pretty pricey. They can range anywhere from $2 to $15 for a set. Um, pick a pearl for your sisters. They're fourteen ninety a piece. I think that's a great gift. Obviously, they would have to put it in a setting. Murder an oyster. <laughs> but, um, you know, they come. They have pink. They have white. They have black. So They're still talking about the oysters falling down the stairs. I went <laughs> Yeah, they are. So that's an option. Uh, Corey and I did the sake tasting, and you get to keep the little cup, and the little lady will write your name in Japanese on the cup. So I thought, if you can handle your liquor, drink enough sake for all those people, and have their name <laughs> written on the cup in Japanese. So <laughs> how much does it taste? How much does it cost to taste the sake? Um, between six and eight dollars. Well, that's cute. So yeah. So you're gonna drink all the sake. <laughs> And bring him empty cups. And bring him empty cups. This is a man who's judging you but brought us empty door whip cups. But I thought that was really cute because they will write your name in Japanese. Corey and I, we have ours. Um, obviously, you'd have to label them so you don't forget whose is whose. Um, in France, for the ladies, I thought the Marat d'Avignon kitchen linens are really nice. I'm not suggesting soaps or books because they can be heavy and add to the weight of your luggage. Um, in Canada, 
If anyone's a wine enthusiast, get a t-shirt. They have one that says, I wine a lot. It has a wine glass on it. Or well-aged. It also has a wine glass. I think those are adorable. I need one of those. Um, if they're beer drinkers, which they probably are, being from the UK, there's a t-shirt in Canada that says, Beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> and then... I would suggest at Downtown Disney, the Art of Disney store has a little shop connected to it called the Wonderful World of Memories, where you can get like stationery or a general notepad. I know women make to-do lists all the time if you're like me, or even like a journal of some sort. Um, it's really hard for me to think of gifts for men at Disney, but I would suggest if you did want to get something that was kind of cute, I do like the soaps in Canada, the Goat Mountain Soap Company. They say things like whale blubber or Sasquatch sweat, and they're not terribly big and heavy. We're um, using one that you gave us at home. I think it's called Moose Snot. <laughs> Moose Spit. Moose Spit. <laughs> Moose Snot. I got one. And they're actually really nice. I love them. But those are just a few of the ideas that I had. Do you guys have any suggestions? Yeah. Diz Unplugged T-shirts. She can't buy those while she's here. Christmas ornaments from Germany. I thought the same thing, but she Stay has to travel so far the with them, they're going to break, probably. Get the wood ones. <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if the gentleman play golf, you can get golf balls. Yeah, that's true, too. They have a whole different all See, different I kinds. knew guys would be better at that, because I had no idea. And one thing that's a little bit more unique... You're is- asking me to come up with how to spend $20? <laughs> <laughs> Pete, use it as a down payment on jewelry. <laughs> What they're doing now uh, with a lot of the places, even within the resorts, if you spend a certain amount of money, you can purchase uh, a different item, something that's not for sale, for another $10. We just got four lithographs, one for each park. And it's not your typical souvenir. It's not something every, you know, a lot of people can get it. But it's not like a T-shirt or a pin or something like that. So, And we love these lithographs. They're really cool. Mm-hmm. They are very cute. At Downtown Disney, they also do the airbrushed T-shirts, mm-hmm. so you could personalize something. That's that's a good idea. I just was trying to think of something not breakable and kind of small, you know, because she's having to buy quite a few souvenirs. It looks you like you can get uh, like a monogrammed uh, robe. I, I don't know if if there's anybody into. Um, I don't know if they have House of Blues where she lives, but they have um, souvenirs at the House of Blues that say House of Blues, Walt yeah. Disney World on them. Orlando, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What if I want to, if she brings a picture of each of the pers- people that she wants a, pri- a present for and shows one of the cartoonists to get do Get a caricature? A, get a caricature. They're kind of pricey, though. They're not, yeah. More than $20? Yeah, they're more than $20. If you do black and white, I think it's less expensive. That's just an idea. If she can get a profile, she can have those little cutouts made. Those little (laughs) silhouettes. They might do a deal for... 1920s all over again. Buy two, get one free, something like that. Or something from Cirque du Soleil in the the gift shop. I don't know if there's anybody into that. I even thought the off-kilter CD, you know. Or how about park music CDs, Mm -hmm. something like that. So those are just a few ideas. I hope that helps, Jackie. Sorry, I couldn't come up with anything, Jackie. <laughs> You'd have to add a zero. Yeah, really. I'm, I'm bad like that. I'm just real bad like that. I agree with Julie. Her first statement was something, I think, or one of the first choices was something from Japan. I find the the department store at Japan, there's something in there for everybody. Yes. And while most of it won't say Walt Disney World on it, it's going to come in a Walt Disney World bag or a box or something like and that. And like so. she said, they already have enough Walt Disney World pins and mugs and whatever else. I'm thinking, get them something that they'll enjoy that doesn't necessarily say Disney, but they still know where it came from. So every right. time they use it or look at it or whatever. They seem to have quality stuff in there, too. 
Oh, I, yeah. I, I like this stuff in there. There's it's a also, nice store. There's also uh, Raglan Rose has... Uh, Raglan Road. Roads. Well, they're from the UK, Raglan so I figure Rose. Ireland is not yeah. too far away from them. They but, probably have been there or at least, you know, know more about it than we do. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Julie. We are going to wrap up our show with one final voicemail. Uh, Kevin talked about meeting Anthony and his family in the parks. Hi, Anthony. In our last show... And Anthony had actually called in right before I went to California. So here is the elusive Anthony. Now everybody can hear what he sounds like. So here's Anthony. Hey, Kevin, Pete, Bob, Corey, Julie, and John. Thanks for mentioning my nomination for the Junior National Leadership Conference. I will be going to D.C. the week before 4th of July. It will be awesome to be in D.C. on the 4th. I'm going to take plenty of notes, and I'll give you guys a full report when I get back. Thanks again. You guys are the best. Take care from your future Imagineer, Anthony Castelli. Well, Anthony, thank you for calling. It's it's nice to hear your voice. We've heard all about you. It's now you can kind of put a voice to the name at least since we didn't meet, I didn't meet you. But uh, you're going to love Washington, D.C. if you've never been there before. It is a pretty cool city. There's a lot of cool things to see, and we're wishing you... Uh, a really good time. I asked Anthony if he knew how well-known he was. And he didn't seem to, but his mom seemed to think that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, Anthony, a lot of people know who you are. We talk about you on every show. And the fireworks display in Washington, D.C. for the 4th of July is fantastic. Yeah, that's going to be you a know, big deal. If you're, if you're there for that, make sure you, you don't miss it because it, it really is an, yeah. an event to not... Uh, be missed. So we absolutely want to report from you when you get back. Want to hear how it was. So, all right, that is going to do it for our show this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>